It is time to go to Green Bay, Wisconsin, to the Harbor One Hotline to talk to our friend Tommy Curran of NBC Sports Boston. Tommy is brought to us by Dr. Matthew Lapresti and Leonard Hair Transplant Associates, the hair doctor of Tommy Curran at 1-800-GET-HAIR. By Awaken 180 Weight Loss, become your own success story by dropping the weight holding you back. It starts with just one call to Awaken 180. And by Unified Office, where they help businesses maximize every incoming call at unifiedoffice.com to the Harbor One Hotline. Hotline, Tommy Kern. Good afternoon. Good afternoon, gentlemen. How's everything? Any cheese curds yet? Are you a cheese curd guy? Is there a uh, a Wisconsin delicacy that you will be diving into over the next couple of days? No, good, good, uh, good time for me to to uh, detox. Come out here, just have some waters and some uh, and and some maybe pressed juice. How's that sound, Gresham? Oh, there you go, friend. Uh, so. Will Zeke Elliott be pressing Ramondre Stevenson for heavy carries this season? Your thoughts on the signing of Zeke? I love the signing because it addresses exactly what they seem to have a shortcoming in in the running game. They didn't have depth, obviously, Ty Montgomery, even though he doesn't have the same role, um, has been out since the second day of camp. And he's perpetually injured, so you really can't count on him coming back and making an impact. Additionally, the Harrison-Strong tandem, you know, as I said last week, that's kind of their Super Bowl. You have to make plays in a game like that. Not only were they not afforded with a lot of room, but when there were opportunities to make plays, they did not. I don't think that there's any world in which Zeke Elliott plays like Ramondre Stevenson does at 24 at advanced age of 28 with all the wear on his tires. I really think Ramondre Stevenson, if you compare him to any back, he reminds me of Ezekiel Elliott five years ago. And if he had the touches, he probably compiles similar numbers. But to me, Ezekiel Elliott becomes a terrific short yardage back, which he was last year. He becomes a situational guy who can spell. Uh, Ramondre Stevenson, he's very durable, probably more durable than Damian Harris, who certainly we can second guess the idea of, of moving on from him. Um, and paying more for Zeke. But if you look at the numbers and what he did and where he ranked in the NFL, his short yardage numbers last year were pretty outstanding league-wide, top 10 and top 5 in many of the more important categories in terms of picking up first downs and touchdowns. Tom, we were talking earlier, we were trying to come up with a comparison for this type of a player who was a star, a superstar, all pro, whatever you want to call it, and then came to New England later in their career and had a secondary role, a complementary role. And I'm not really sure there is a great comparison. Like we, people are bringing up Chris Long and Martellus Bennett and different names. Are, do you have any concerns about how he will fit in New England, how he'll be the second fiddle? I know he got a taste of that last year with Tony Pollard. Just the way he embraces his role here and the way the role treats him. Are there any concerns in that area? I don't think so. Just from watching the kid over the, the course of time, and of course he's been immature and had his dust-ups with the league and served suspensions as a result, but mm-hmm. generally I don't think he's been a horrendous teammate. He shows up when he's asked to play. Um, and I think, too, when you look at a locker room and you look at the ages of these guys, they were probably Zeke fans when they were in high school to a large extent. He's not making a ton of money. He understands, I'm sure, what his role is in the NFL right now and where he is, and he's going to have to battle back to create a greater one that ascends him back to even close to the zip code that he was in. But for now, I I couldn't imagine it being 
really a sticking point. There was speculation we were on early edition last night, and Greg Bedard mentioned whether players would be rankled by the amount of money that Zeke was making when they feel underpaid, whether it be Lawrence Guy or David Andrews. And to me, if it was Nelson Aguilar is the shining example of a player who I think that would rankle me. Had one good season, came here, made an absolute boatload of money, was unavailable frequently, and when he was available, he wasn't really contributing. So to me, that would rankle me more than Zeke Elliott, who's got a track record and a resume um, and has been a star in the league coming in and playing for a fraction of what he's accustomed to playing for. I just don't think guys are going to point at that and say, well, that really sucks. Tommy, I know that uh, I do believe it was uh, Dan Orlovsky on ESPN who said, you know, hey, they're going to be a power run team and this is what they're going to be all about. Hart and I are kind of sharing a brain and being like, eh, I don't know if this is going to lead to them becoming like the Tennessee Titans all of a sudden where they're going to run the ball more than 50% of the time. I feel like this is a good way to provide balance in the backfield to where there are no tells. Is this the we're getting back to trying to be B-level at everything across the board offensively and then hoping something pops? How do you sort of see the dynamic of the run-pass relationship with Bill O'Brien now that you got two running backs that in theory are probably interchangeable? I don't think it changes their philosophy one iota from what it was a week ago right they're a team that's going to rely on a smart decision-making quarterback who shows good leadership and accuracy a diverse offense that can't be shooting itself in the foot at the same rate that it was last year think how often they were in first and 15 because of false starts or second and 20 because of holds or run stuffs that resulted in you know third and eights when they were in a a second and seven it's that stuff has to go away if that stuff goes away you have the whole playbook open to you to be whatever you want I don't think they're going to want to line up and run it 35 times a game I don't think anyone can do that with a straight face in the NFL anymore the days of a defense outsmarting an offense are kind of past especially with the elite teams because you can have as many players as you want to have and you can scheme all you want but eventually a play is going to break down and a Josh Allen or a Patrick Mahomes or a Justin Herbert or a Lamar Jackson is going to buy enough time so that all your scheming that you did all week to contain goes out the window and the guy makes a play on you. So offensively, you can't be, you know, a horse and carriage offense. You have to be an offense that can be explosive and convert drives. And to do that, you're not going to get the Tyree kills, but at least if you can be smart, just smart and not self-destructive as they were last year. You can be a team that, that can, with a straight face, say, we can score 24 points a game. Tom, obviously one of the stories that came out of the preseason opener was Malik Cunningham, fun fourth quarter drive. Uh, Malik Mania has taken over New England. Forget Zappy Fever. So I got a two-part uh, John Dennis-style question here for you. <laughs> First part would be, where do you see his career going this August in Malik Cunningham? Was mostly a wide receiver, then he gets reps at quarterback, and all of a sudden, like, Pat McAfee and Lamar Jackson are raving about how good he is. And my second part here, and maybe the part I found most interesting, the first practice after Malik Mania takes off, Bill Belichick and his team give him reps at quarterback that everybody's taking note of. Is that 
just a bone because you did a good job, you deserve more reps? Is that Bill effing with the story and the narrative and the media? What did you make of the reps after the performance? That he wants to see what he can do with what he has on his plate. Okay. He got something put on his plate last Thursday night. He ate it all up, finished it nicely. Okay, you finished that. Let's see what you can do with this. And I think everything else is kind of secondary. You know, what, how we react, what we cover, what we write about, what we talk about is secondary to finding out what he can do. And that, to me, is what the arc of his season is going to be. I think that his season, largely in terms of us having eyes on him, will end when the last preseason game ends. Maybe he's coming in for some packages. Maybe he's a backup gunner and we see him on some special teams. I would imagine they'd love to get him on the practice squad. Maybe they decide they have to have him on the 53. Maybe there's a small package of plays, but I think the arc of his 2023 season is going to be, he's going to be pretty scarce once the season begins. Maybe we'll see him if he continues to play well in practice and he has value for that team. Even if we don't see him as a scout team quarterback, but This maturation that he'll make, I think, between now and next April into May and passing camps will, you know, really define what he's going to be able to construct out of his career. You know, Bailey Zappi was a a very good rookie quarterback for his draft status and for what he was behind. He did everything that he was supposed to do. Now there's a little bit more on his plate this summer, and – I didn't even think he was bad in the preseason game because he had no protection. But I think on a day-in, day-out in practice, he's been about a C. He needs to be better than that. So what's he doing with the opportunity he created for himself last year? Not as much as I think the Patriots might have hoped. Tommy. Doesn't mean he's doomed. But, but I, I just think, I'm sorry, doing those pauses again on you. I, I just think that the Malik Cunningham's in the same boat Bailey Zappi was in. Tommy Kern with us. Uh, What are you looking for out of the next two days of practice against Green Bay? Is anything really piquing your interest? How does the offense look in the red zone? Because it's increasingly gotten better, right, Andy, in the the practices that we've watched. So how do they look in the red zone against uh, another team? They're going to run a ton of them. They'll probably run a ton of goal line. They'll probably run a a lot of two-minute situations. We've seen in the past that, you know, basically what they'll have is the offense drive the field in a two-minute situation against the Green Bay defense, and Green Bay will turn around and do the same thing coming back, and then the twos will get out there and do the same thing, and then the twos will come back, and then the ones will go back out there and do the same thing. So you'll really get a good sense of how is the whole operation working. And when we watched Mac Jones run the Patriots two summers ago against the New York Giants, he was phenomenal. He vastly outplayed Daniel Jones throughout those two days of joint practices. Daniel Jones is now, a, what, a $40 million quarterback. Is Mac Jones returning to being closer to the guy that he was that summer and that season um, than a lot of people expect him to be? And I think that he will be. Tom, I know it's we get caught up in the day-to-day of camp and like, oh, this guy's going to be great, this guy stinks, and then you realize, well, wait a minute, we still got a month till a regular season game. We've really only seen a snippet of what could be. But what has been your biggest couple takeaways from the first two plus weeks of training camp and the first preseason game things that you think are going to matter come september october and beyond the depth all over the offense you know it's it's really an issue they just they're too thin at too many positions and they're scrambling it feels like to fill positions on the offensive side of the ball 
when those could have been filled in the offseason. You still don't have any kind of continuity nor answers at the tackle spot. And I think Connor McDermott's fine on the right side. And I think that you're going to want to have Trent Brown on the, on the left, obviously. But how long until Orlando plays? Is he going to have to move around? Will McDermott be okay? How will Cole Strange be who hasn't practiced in virtually two weeks? So those are depth issues. Tight end is a depth issue. Can Ferkser be a good tight end ascending behind um, Hunter Henry? Or now you kind of help hostage and trying to run your um, 12 personnel, two tight end stuff all the time. Uh, running back, I think at least they addressed it, but some of this stuff is so late. And again, it's I think defense, so that's what I'm concerned about. What I think we'll look at defensively is I honestly think that Malik Cunningham is going to have a major impact on how well this defense does against mobile quarterbacks. I think that's part of why we saw him during these practices too, Andy, in taking some reps. Because you could hear Gerard Mayo yelling from the sideline because they were actually stuffing Malik pretty well on some of the RPO stuff. And I think they want him out there to give that look to their defense as often as possible because they're going to see all of those players, including Jalen Hurts in the opener. You will uh, be able to watch Tommy Curran tonight, 6 o'clock, NBC Sports Boston, with quick slants from Green Bay. And I know Jones and Mego will talk to Tommy on Thursday afternoon. Tom, thank you, friend. We'll see you next week. Thanks. All right. Great stuff. Thanks, guys.